Hi, friend, and welcome to the Brand Strategy Podcast, a show created to equip you with the inspiration, encouragement, and clarity you need to build the brand of your dreams. I'm your host, Bonnie Bakhtiari, brand designer, strategist, and founder of The Illum Retreat. From sustainable strategy to heartfelt encouragement, each episode is designed to equip you with the tools you need to chase after your dreams. Because you deserve a brand that empowers you to do what you love, connects with your dream clients, and offers a deep sense of fulfillment along the way. So grab a cup of coffee and join me on this journey, won't you? Friends, welcome back to the Brand Strategy Podcast, where today we're talking about how to turn your services into scalable products with Christina Scalera. If you haven't met Christina before, I'm so excited to introduce you to her today. She is an attorney and the founder behind the Contract Shop, a contract template store for creative entrepreneurs, wedding professionals, and coaches. You also might have seen her incredible course, Products on Tap, where she teaches others how to create online shops that turn into a phenomenon so that you can create daily income and get out of that client-getting hustle. And I have to share that she is also an alum of the Illum Retreat, which is how we first connected many years ago. And I'm so excited to uh, really just share her story and her expertise with y'all today in this episode. So Christina, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and for coming on to talk about how we can go from uh, you know, offering one-on-one services or one-to-many services and really growing them into a scalable product. So thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. Well, I know that those who are tuning in are going to want to know a little bit more about you and the incredible work that you do in your business. So if you're up for sharing, I'd love it if you could tell us just a little bit more about you, what you do, how you got started, any of that juicy stuff that you want to share today. (laughs) Sure. I think it's so fun to have this conversation with you because you were such a huge part of the beginning of this journey. So if you don't know my story, which I don't expect your listeners to, I went to Illum. It was the first Illum back in 2015, and it was such an amazing experience. I am so lucky that I got to partake in that. And what happened when I came home is I felt so inspired that all of these like months and really years at that point of trying to just have something available online for sale, it all clicked together after that event. And I I was able to come home and within the weekend, I had launched a Squarespace site using the template, using that as my branding. Obviously, I highly advocate for you investing in branding, but at the time I, I had like less than no money. And so I got that site up and live. I designed a freebie in Photoshop with my very terrible design skills. I was awful, Um, but it had decent content. Canva didn't exist by the way back then. So I was like really (laughs) put into a corner. Um, And I got that into an automation with five emails from MailChimp. So Squarespace, we're talking about what, $8 a month. MailChimp was free at the time with an automation. And then the freebie was whatever, that $9 Creative Cloud subscription. So for less than $20, I was able to get my business up and running within that weekend. And I think that's the power of, uh, so that that was what eventually became the contract shop, by the way. So that's the power of connecting with 
people that are, you know, ahead of you or listening to shows like this or following people like Bonnie, clearly she taught me because she was able to curate that experience that finally was the launching pad that I needed after going to so many other events and, you know, taking courses and things like that. I took your Instagram course, I remember right after that too. So that was really helpful. But anyway, long story short, that was how I got started. And then within the next year, I had a booked out service-based business, which was a law firm that provided legal services. And then I had the contract shop, which obviously is downloadable legal templates. And then within three years of that, I was looking at ditching my services, which just seemed outrageous because as anybody who's listening knows, your services are so profitable. Um, I mean, there's really not much overhead, if any, just kind of software costs. And it's just the time that you're putting in that you're losing and not necessarily like, you know, you're not paying for any costs of goods or, um, you know, just the, the typical like brick and mortar costs that you might have when you think of starting a business. So it was really, really interesting to see the shift away from my services, which I always thought would be the most profitable, most lucrative part of my life and career. And then watch my shop overtake them in terms of revenue and then profit um, and really provide me the opportunity to then ditch my services, which allowed me more time to focus on the shop. Um, and once I focused on the shop, it, it just completely took off. And it's it's now running so well without me. Like I literally don't do anything except for log into Shopify and check out our stats um, and record a couple of videos here and there it's doing so well without me that it's allowed me to launch what I now do, um, you know, as a service-based business, which is like teach people how to start their own kind of shop using that information that they've gained as a service provider. I absolutely love hearing how you, with the clarity that you gained at the Illum Retreat, were able to go home and take such quick action. And one thing that I really love, and I kind of want to like continue to sort of highlight this from uh, what you just shared for those who are tuning in, but the, the concept that you, you did not let the fact that you didn't have, you know, like a custom website stop you. You didn't let, you know, like any of these things that so many of us, and uh, like I'm over here raising my hand because I've definitely let, uh, you know, a lot of self-imposed roadblocks keep me stuck for longer than I care to admit. But what I, what I so respect about how you dove in that weekend and really started to take what now is the contract shop live is, is you really leaned into this idea of taking taking imperfect action, but pursuing action that propelled you forward and uh, just kind of building on, on that momentum. And I know that it wasn't the easiest journey and I know that it didn't happen overnight. I mean, you know, no success happens overnight, but just, you know, knowing you and, and having followed along with your journey, I, I feel like on my end, I've seen that momentum continue to build over the years and propel you towards what you do now today, where you have gleaned so much incredible expertise and so much incredible experience that now you show service providers how they can go from taking on you know, a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients and how they can take that information and then turn that into a product or a course or some kind of scalable offer like that. So anyway, just wanted to kind of like celebrate that and highlight that for those who are tuning in because sometimes it's so easy to, you know, get caught up in those sort of self-imposed delaying tactics where you tell yourself like, okay, when I, I don't know, have this many Instagram followers or when I have like the perfect <laughs> 
website or when I have, you know, like, I don't know, my skin looks a certain way. That's when I'm going to start showing up. That's when I'm going to start doing the thing. That's when I'm going to, you know, launch my business. And I don't know, the cool thing about the cool thing about our journeys as entrepreneurs is I don't think any of us waited until the perfect moment. I think all of us saw growth because we took that imperfect action. So a little bit of a tangent there to kick us off, but wanted to highlight that because I felt like that was such a nugget of wisdom that you dropped there. But <laughs> Well, thank you. And I'm so appreciative. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit on something that's really, two things that are really important. One is getting started with that imperfect action. And then, you know, the, the momentum is exponential. So it does just take that little tiny push um, to, to have something out there. And honestly, if I hadn't put anything out there, I never would have been able to create the product. So one of the, let me just back up. One of the things that I end up teaching in one of my programs, Products on Tap, is how to create the perfect product and digital product. Um, which, by the way, does not include courses. We could talk about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm specifically talking about digital products sold through online storefronts, so not necessarily mm -hmm. courses. But when I teach people how to do that, a lot of times they have a couple ideas and then they never put them out there. And the problem with that is that we've had over 100, probably about 115-ish products over the lifetime of the contract shop existing. We have about 42 mm -hmm. products or SKUs in our store right now. And so the problem is if you don't take those first steps and start to gain that momentum, you won't have any of the information or data available to you to show you what's working and what's not. And it doesn't start out with like a runaway success. Like you were saying, it's not an overnight thing. But if you see that somebody has responded more or that you see your audience has responded more favorably to one Instagram post over the rest of the all the other stuff that you've created, you can look at that and you can say, like, what was it about that that they resonated with? Maybe you talked about a certain topic and that's like something that they they've they would get to know you for. And that's something that you could create a product around. So if you didn't just try these little things every single day, you'd never be in the position to know what is going to be like that little tiny thing that kicks you off, which I just I just want to see people getting out there and like putting their products and their content out there because it's you you just never know. Like you never know what that like lottery ticket is that you're going to send out into the universe and it's going to come back and deliver for you. Mm, that's a really great point. I Something that you said just then kind of sparked a kind of like a follow-up question sure. in my mind. Do you, from, you know, talking through about how you over, you know, the lifetime of the contract shop you've had about, you know, I think you said like 115 uh, products and right now you've got about 40, 42-ish. Yeah, some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, kind of, you, you don't have that full 150 in the shop right now. So, uh, or 115, I should say, excuse me. So do you believe that getting out there and taking that imperfect action and trying a lot of different digital products over the years gave you the clarity and the data that you needed to refine your best and most profitable offers? Yeah. A hundred percent. I I mean, we never would have seen, we, so our best-selling product, we never would have seen that that would have been a bestseller. And I mean, it, it literally sells at least once a day, every day, which, you know, at, at $277, that's not a bad gig to have in life. So uh, we, but like, we never would have seen that if we hadn't started poking away at some of the other products. So when I first got started, for example, most of the products in my shop were catered towards the wedding industry because that was, you know, who I met through a loom, who I was connecting with. 
Um, I had a background yeah. in floral design and I was trying to like maybe be a calligrapher at the time. I was a very lost and confused person. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't gotten that idea already. So, you know, that, that was where the clarity came in for the site. And then, you know, we, I just told you that journey, but basically what happened was that first year of business, I was really connecting well with the, the wedding industry. And we had tons of people buying our wedding photography templates. Um, we had another alum, uh, Kirstie Murray, who's like a famous equine photographer. She was at that retreat. And so I create, and I'm into horses too. So I created an equine photography template for people that wanted to take photos of horses and, you know, their owners and things like that. I created a floral design template, um, or not like floral design template, but, you know, floral design client contract template, I should specify for people. Uh, what else? Wedding planner, like DJ entertainment. Like these are all catering, cake decorator. Like, by the way, almost none of these are in my shop anymore. Um, and it's because like that, we needed that information. We needed to connect with those people and see what feedback they had on those types of products in order to see where we needed to change. You know, what were people not happy with? What did they really like? And that eventually helped us to come out with better and better products. And then as the world has moved progressively more online in the last six years that we've existed, we've also moved towards more online industries. And so actually primarily right now, our main, like our main customer base are all online based businesses and we almost never sell our wedding stuff anymore. So that's been an interesting, and that was even before, you know, the pandemic and all that. So it's been an interesting shift away from that, but it was just these little subtle shifts every day. And um, especially at the beginning every day, and then, you know, taking a look more seasonally. And then now we, we only review things about, you know, once or twice a year. Um, so it's, I think it's a little bit more acute. It's kind of like, if you think of a plane, like two planes leave from an airport and one of them takes off at like a one degree angle and the other one takes off at like a two degree angle. Well, in six hours, like one plane is in like North Dakota and then the other planes in like, you know, Washington state. So it's, it's like these little tiny adjustments that you're making at the very beginning that will change your trajectory down the road. Um, but you know, like using that analogy, the plane actually has to take off. You can't just sit there on the runway and hope that one day, like the wind will be strong enough to pick you up. <laughs> I love that analogy. And you're so right. Like if we're, if we're just, you know, like these big old planes or even like a little baby plane, like sitting on a runway and we're just like hoping and praying that the wind is going to pick up and like lift us up into the air. That is so unrealistic. Like we know that's not how planes that would be get up terrifying. off the ground. And so if we're taking that and we are like, like letting that motivate us as individual entrepreneurs, taking that action, even if it's scary, even if it's imperfect, that action is going to breed that clarity. And like exactly like you were saying in your own experience, it's going to give you that insight, even if it's not the biggest success, even if it's something maybe that on the flip side is way more successful than you thought it would be. Either way, it's going to give you the insight to, to understand how your products, how those digital products are resonating with your audience. And so I, I love that you share that with us and kind of help to reframe that mindset around getting started and taking those first steps, even if they feel 
a little bit intimidating, which actually kind of brings me to my next question, which is really, you know, okay, if we're, if we are thinking about taking our services, so let's say someone's tuning in today and they're a service-based entrepreneur and they like what you're talking about. They like this idea of having some digital products that leverage their expertise and their experience so they don't have to keep taking on one-on-one clients, you know, all of the time. What are some practical steps they can take or where do where do we recommend that they get started in that journey of taking an existing service and actually turning it into some kind of scalable offer? Yeah, really good question. The first thing I always try to help people understand is what results they want to get for people. And I think a lot of marketers who don't understand the concept of ideal clients and customers have really done people a disservice by focusing on avatars so heavily. And so one of the things that sometimes happens is you'll hear, oh, like you need an ideal client avatar for reasons that we can get into or not. Um, I'm not a huge fan of avatars. I like to think of actual people, but I realize that avatars can also be helpful at the beginning of your journey as you're thinking about who you're serving. So if you are a service-based business, you should have actual people in mind that are coming to you for help. And you're either having to turn them away because you're too busy or because they can't afford your services, or because you know your waitlist is so long that they don't want to wait until you, you're actually available, um, whatever the reason might be. So this is a really good fit for those of you who are what I would consider time poor products. That is, this is a really good fit for time poor service-based entrepreneurs. And so if they're looking to get started, I would come back to either that ideal client avatar, or like I said, a the actual people that you're seeing that you're not able to help for one way or the other and look at what result they need in their life or their business. So, you know, if you're B2B, obviously it's business. If you're like a mindset or a health coach or something, it's more lifestyle. Um, But look at what it is that they actually want to accomplish that they would have been doing with you if you were to able, if you were able to provide services for that person. And I would love for you to look and see what, smaller results that you could get. So like maybe you only offer, if you're a designer, you only offer like a full branding and website package, but maybe with a product, you're able to take a little bite out of that and have some sort of like beginner logo kit. So you're not creating a whole brand for them. And I know that's not as helpful. Like we both know like the best case scenario is that they invest in a brand. It's really professional, but you know, for somebody like me back in 2015, Um, who's using a template, like just having an understanding that like, these are two free fonts that you can use consistently to start to have a consistent Mm -hmm. look. Like even something that simple could have been a product that I would have used and then understood, um, you know, oh, like I can use whatever, like Playfair and like some other kind of like sans serif font. And that would be a good fit for me as I get started. So we're just giving them like a little tiny bite-sized chunk of the actual end result that they need to have. Um, but that's also because they're not ready either financially, time-wise, or you know, we don't have the, the infrastructure to support another client on our roster. And so they're still able to learn from us. They're still able to get something from us, but they didn't need to go and take like a course about fonts in order to get that small result. They just needed to have the actual result in like five minutes or less. And they're able to move on with their day. So you've really, really helped that person in a very small way, but in an impactful way. So that's the first thing I would look at. And then the second thing I would look at are what are you already creating in your business? And this is how I came up with my templates and what I was doing, because 
with every client that I had. Remember, I was a lawyer who had my own law firm and that kind of thing. Um, but this works for any service-based business because I guarantee there's a process that you're using with your clients every single time. And if there's not, that that might be something you want to check out Bonnie's other episodes for. <laughs> but as you do this and you go through the same process, you're using certain templates and scripts and emails and prompts and uh, questionnaires and things like that, that you're using to help that client get the result. You're not creating this from scratch every single time. That would be exhausting and a waste of your time. So look at the things that you already have available. Use that as the foundation for what your product will be. So for example, when I was working with clients, I had a base client contract agreement that I could use, which is now our independent contractor agreement in our store. Um, and then I would really flush it out and help niche it to their particular circumstances and add in any kind of nuances that they needed. And so I wasn't starting from scratch every single time. And I had that foundational piece of uh, content that I could then take and turn into a product. So that was really helpful. Um, one last thing I'll say about all that. It's really, really nice too, as a service provider, not to have to give away your whole system. So even if you give away like your SOP about how you onboard clients and that's how you, you know, like someone gets a checklist or an Asana or Trello board or something of how you're onboarding your clients, you as the service provider haven't had to teach your competition through like an A to Z course exactly what's happening. Like maybe it's somebody who you would consider to be, you know, your competition or something. They download the SOP. They have a checklist now of like, the things that you do to have a launch or onboard your clients or whatever that process is that you're selling as a template, but they don't have the whole system in place. Um, and so I know there's like, I'm, I'm literally drinking out of a rising tide mug. So I know there's lots of different approaches <laughs> to community and competition and that kind of thing. But I think one of the scariest things as a service provider is like knowing that you've worked so hard to build this business and feeling trapped by either turning into an agency or creating a course. And I just want to help people see that there's actually a third option of creating products, um, which are much more bite-sized, usually easier to produce because there are already things you have available to you or you know very well. Um, you're not creating like course content from scratch, for example. And you know, if, if it helps you at all to get over that fear of like someone stealing everything from you, which I promise won't happen either. But um, I know I definitely have had thoughts like that. It feels much more aligned with who I am to put out little pieces of my process in terms of templates, rather than to have like an entire program where I teach people how to do what I do A to Z. Um, so yeah, I, those are the, the things that I would be looking out for if you are a service provider or you're, you're really time poor and you're looking to add some passive income to your business. That makes so much sense. And that's like those steps are so fantastic and those things to think through in order to, uh, you know, really paint that picture and, and make it clear that like that there's so much possibility when it comes to stepping into, a, you know, a season of growth in your service-based business. You don't have to max out your capacity for a one-on-one -on -one client. So you don't necessarily have to go to an agency model unless that, you know, fires you up and you love that. And you also don't necessarily have to create a course, which seems to be, um, you know, in my experience, and Christine, I'm sure you've seen this too, it seems like that's usually what a lot of well-intending experts out there are pointing service providers to is like, okay, are you, are you maxed out with your one-on-one -on -one clients? 
create a course. But creating a course, like like you're saying, that's a massive undertaking. I have created several over the years, and it is something that whenever I'm done, I'm always glad that I'm done. And so the idea of having something, like you said, that's bite-sized and smaller and something that shows people little bits of your process as a service provider helps to create another you know, channel for consistent income in your business, but it's not something that has necessarily the tech or the community component or the, you know, kind of uh, intricacies that having a course or a membership site would, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's hands off completely. (laughs) They go, I mean, think about how you shop for anything. Um, I was shopping for candles last night at a local store online and you know you just you browse around the site you see what you want you add it to your cart and you check out and you know like last night I forgot to check out so I got an email this morning that said hey don't forget to check out that was automated that wasn't the shop owner who was emailing me that's just an abandoned cart email I was getting to remind me about what I wanted why I wanted it and how to make that final purchase and finish it up Um, so yeah it's Mm -hmm. it is honestly the most hands-off once it's created and like you said, I, I love that you don't have to take all of this time to create a course, which is, it's, it's just, it's hard to administer. I think a lot of people kind of gloss mm-hmm. over the fact that like, oh, like courses are great. They're so easy. And like, yes, once they're created, but it's a lot of work and mm-hmm. uh, not everybody's a natural born teacher. Like I definitely, I struggle hard with teaching, like just, I want to throw everything and the kitchen sink in and it's so hard because you have to really peel that back and take things out. Um, kind of like I did with my shop when we got rid of, you know, over 60 products over the years. And it's like one of the hardest things that you'll have to do in business. Um, but the other thing I just mentioned about courses is like, are you really like how, how well are you actually serving the person who needs your help? Because with a course, they become somewhat of an expert on the same topic, but like it took them all weekend. So for example, if you're teaching them how to write a perfect Instagram caption, like, sure, you're teaching them how to fish, like that whole analogy, that's great. But like, if someone just needs 20 Instagram captions for the next month, they could also have just downloaded a pack of 20 Instagram templates from your shop that, you know, you had available for a limited time for, you know, spring of 2021 before you put your summer packet up there or something. So would you rather them have the result in a weekend learning the content or would you rather have them get the result, like immediately copy and paste the captions into Planoly or plan or whatever, mirror it with their uh, photos or their designs or whatever, and then put put those on Instagram immediately. So in my mind, um, this is also a really good way to serve people in not just like a bigger capacity, because obviously like we're just talking about, it's, it's much easier to deliver products than a course. There's not as much onboarding. There's not as much tech. There's not as much of a learning curve to understanding the backend platform or the course portal because there is none typically. But then also they're getting that result in a much faster way. So another really good example of this is like, actually right after I I left Illum, the first thing I did was I went on, what's that site? I think it's called Eventbrite. Yeah. (laughs) And I put up a contracts 101 workshop and I had one person sign up for that. And, um, it didn't end up panning out. I just, because I just ended up giving her a template because as I was creating the curriculum for the workshop, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I just spent, you know, three years of law school and two years of working in corporations and like law firm work and clerking and like all this time, right. Working up to learn how to create a perfect contract. 
And I'm, I'm about to attempt to teach this in a three hour workshop. And then like, it just, it didn't make sense to me. And then on top of it, I was like, well, she really doesn't want to wait three weeks to have this workshop. She really just wants a contract today. And so when I told her, you know, because I only had one person signed up. So I was like, I'm not going to do this. Um, when I told her I was going to give her a template instead, she was so thrilled, so excited because she got the result she was looking for immediately instead of three weeks later. And she would have had to do all the work herself. So I'm not saying that it's a perfect substitution for like a lot of course learning, teaching topics. Um, even myself, I have programs and courses in, excuse me, how I, where I teach people how to create products or like have a better shop. Um, but at the same time, like there, there's definitely a a place in most service-based businesses to have this, like, I guess like a surrogate service in a way where it just, Mm -hmm. it takes care of you in a way that, um, you know, you're not able to for, for each of the individual people that walks through your door as that service provider. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And, um, you know, I think that, if, if, you know, for those who are tuning in today, the idea of taking their services and, you know, elevating that and turning that into a scalable offer is something that obviously resonated with them. That's why they're tuning in today. And I think that just what you're sharing with us today about how we can create, we can take our expertise and we can create bite-sized products that deliver the result that our ideal clients or our ideal customers are searching for, that creates the possibility for so much impact through the work that we're doing without the same amount of effort it would require to take on, you know, 20, 30, 40, however many, 100 plus clients to deliver that same result. So I think what you're doing here, you're you're showing, you're showing this great path forward if we're wanting to go in that direction. So I love what you're sharing. I love how you're breaking it down and making it so accessible for the service providers out there. But I have one question that I'm super curious to get your thoughts on, just kind of based on like all of the like just pearls of wisdom that you've been dropping today. What kind of mistakes do you see? And especially since you teach service providers how to make the transition and how to take their expertise and turn it into, you know, a great digital product, what kind of mistakes should service providers be on the lookout for when they start this journey of going from, you know, one-on-one service provider to service provider slash digital shop owner? Yeah, for sure. I see way too much emphasis on where you're going to be selling your stuff. If you don't want to start a store, Mm. like there's creative market, there's Etsy. Um, You know, I I did some digital downloads actually before... (laughs) Before we met, I uh, my first digital product was a two dollar download on Etsy, um, and it, it's now what is just like a resources page with affiliate links on my website. Um, but at the time, that was like real. Remember, this is like six years ago, guys. Um, but like <laughs> six years ago, it was like really groundbreaking to share what tools and like things you were using behind the scenes. Like I don't know why people would have wanted that for my failed yoga blog that I had at the time. <laughs> Whatever, that's a different story. But. <laughs> It's sold. You know, I had this $2 download on Etsy. And so I think the biggest mistake is people spend so much time overthinking where and how and what they're going to sell. And, you know, we just covered like how to get over the what you're going to sell. But if that's what's hanging you up, just literally start an account on Etsy or take, you know, I, I know you guys are shopping for jewelry and stuff. It's the pandemic. So like, just open up your Etsy, <laughs> um, create a seller portal like off of your account and 
put your, your digital products in there. Um, it doesn't like, this doesn't have to be something complicated. And that's actually another reason I love digital products is because you don't have to create a whole sales page. Like you can just create that little, um, you know, like Eileen from Seinfeld blurb. I think that's what she did is she wrote like those little product descriptions for the catalog. Uh, that's all you need is, is something like that. And then it's digital. So it obviously will save you a lot of time, headache, heartache. If you give people a quick little PDF that is included as a zip file with your digital product uh, that just explains like, this is a digital product. You're not going to get anything in the mail. <laughs> here's, you know, here's how to access it, even though they've already unzipped it to get the PDF. Um, just like really simple things. If you have any questions, here's our support and like give them a way to contact you because if you don't, like they're going to try to get in touch with you on your Instagram, on your Facebook page, on your abandoned Pinterest account that you haven't looked at in six months, like whatever it is, people will try to contact you in all kinds of weird ways if you don't guide that journey for them and tell them exactly what to do. Um, so those are just some of the, the uh, mistakes that I see when people are getting started and like what's hanging them up. And then the, well, the, the other thing that hangs everybody up is like, well, this already exists. And like, even at a loom, mm -hmm. I was saying that to, to you and everybody else that, that was there. Cause they were like, oh my gosh, you have this great idea. Like, why aren't you selling these legal templates? And I was like, well, legal zoom already exists. And like this other person's doing this thing. And like this other person has some, you know, templates for wedding people already. And, you know, and yeah, they did like that all existed that whatever, but like, it's so cliche, but I was able to put my own spin on it. Um, I took like a much yeah. more crass <laughs> approach to it, you know, like on in big letters <laughs> on my website, it says legal that doesn't suck. And we put our own spin on it. We made it this like professional, but fun brand and just started talking to people in their own language. Like I remember uh, my freebie actually came about because it was named something else. And then in a, a Facebook group, someone dropped like, I'm just looking to legalize my biz. And I kept seeing that phrase over mm. and over and over again. And so that's where I named my freebie legalize your biz, because even though I hate that phrase myself, I never would have come up with that. That was the phrase that everyone else was using. So taking that language and mirroring it was really helpful. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, this is for anybody that has an online store. One of the biggest reasons people aren't buying from you is because it's really, really, really hard. <laughs> so for example, uh, I would say that on like 10% of the online stores I go to, especially creatives who have these beautiful websites, you know, like just designed to the hilt and like, or guilt, what, what's the phrase? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like very well designed <laughs> I know what you mean. and they're beautiful and they're like, you know, dynamic and there's things like loading and moving and things like that. And they have shop products and you can add them to your cart. But like one of the biggest things is there's no actual cart icon. So you can't get back to the cart. So if someone adds something to their cart and then they go back to look at your about page, which is a very common thing. Um, you know, they want to learn more about you. Maybe they don't know you. They need a little bit more trust built there before they're making their purchase. Now they have no way to get back to their cart because you forgot that as like an icon um, or you're using like a third party service, like, you know, Thrivecart or Sampart or something. And so once it gets added to the cart, like the traditional mechanism is like a funnel where they check out and they leave. Mm. But with a shop, mm. like we need to allow people to flow back and forth between your content and um, your your store and your site and everything. So those are just some of the really, really quick fixes that I'll see. It's almost like, you know, asking, is the computer plugged in? Like, 
<laughs> but that's the first yeah. thing. Um, and you'd be surprised at how many people it's just the, the cart is not accessible or like it's not accessible on mobile, but they can see it on desktop. So just those little things mm -hmm. are really helpful if you're finding that like you have products, but they're not selling yet. <laughs> those are such good things to think about. And, you know, like those, those little shopping carts, they can be sneaky. Like you, you know, you, I, that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because even from a designer standpoint, when, you know, for example, if I'm designing a website, I need to be thinking through all of those little details from a user experience. And so, you know, for those who are tuning in today who are web designers or brand designers and you offer web, this is, you know, absolutely something that we can keep in mind for future client projects as well. Definitely something, of course, if you're a shop owner, but also from, you know, kind of a service user experience standpoint as well. Like that is such a great thing to keep in mind because you're right. It does not ease the user experience whatsoever. And from, you know, if I'm like, you know, putting myself in that person's shoes, if I'm trying to, you know, like buy something like some, you know, gorgeous jewelry or some candles or, you know, like some cozy slippers, because let's be real, I'm not going anywhere because of the pandemic. I want to be able to see what I'm adding to my cart and I want to be able to, you know, kind of engage with that unless, you know, very, very rarely are people like going somewhere, they buy one thing and then they just check out straight away. And so we need to also be thinking through, you know, that kind of like user experience as well. But what you said earlier about uh, getting, getting started, you know, not overthinking it, focusing on showing up in a simple, easy way, like Etsy or creative market, something like that means that you do not have to, you can start serving people well through your digital products faster and you don't have to have the headache and, you know, the struggle that goes into say customizing a Shopify template from scratch when you have no coding experience or anything like that. Right. So all that to say, I love what you shared there. I, I do want to know one question I always love asking with every conversation that I have here on the podcast, uh, what kind of encouragement would you share to those who are tuning in today and are ready to actually turn their services into that scalable product. They've been hearing what you're sharing. They're excited about the possibility that a digital product has to offer. Uh, what kind of encouragement would you want to share to them to get them on that journey? I would encourage anybody listening who is getting started with this to, to start listening really deeply and intensely with the people that they would like to serve. So whether that looks like tapping into an existing audience via Instagram stories with polls on them and questions. If you don't have an existing audience, it might mean leaning on someone else to let you go in front of their group and teach about a topic that you think about turning into a product. It might also mean you going into like your, I, I mean, I would love to see people doing more market research and seeing who's watching their content, who's engaging with their content and just looking at those people in a more objective way and asking what kinds of problems that they have mm -hmm. um, that you as the service provider could actually solve or help them solve. Um, and then the, the last little thing is I just want to encourage people to start trying to take people from like M to N or like N to O, like not A to Z. You know, like you don't have to always create a resource that's at the very beginning of the journey for someone. I think that's where we just tend to start off. 
And you don't also have to take them on the entire journey. Like you can just give them a little bite of, of that process. And that is going to be really helpful. I think that's, you know, like a mindset thing, learning how, or, or uh, I guess feeling that we actually are helping people, even if it's not, you know, like the entire experience, like you don't need to take them on a trip to Disney world. You just maybe sit next to them on a ride. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I I love kind of that picture in my mind of, you know, meeting people where they are on their existing journey, not asking them to like start all over again, but instead, like you said, showing up and taking them, you know, a little further in that journey. I think that 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 just makes it so much more um so much more attainable and so much easier to get started. So, thanks for sharing that encouragement. I absolutely love that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, thank you. What I would love to know where people can find you online. So I know that you've got your incredible website. You've got all kinds of fantastic free resources and trainings out there. Um, but for those who want to connect with you more and learn you know, more what you're doing, but also follow along on your journey and see all the great things that you do and this incredible life that you're living out there in beautiful Colorado, where can people find you? Yeah, for sure. I'm at christinasclera.com on Instagram, everywhere. And the nice thing about having a weird name is you might know this. When people just kind of half type your name in, you're going to pop up. So try to get it as best you can and you'll find us. Um, Christina Scalera is just where I'm at everywhere. Awesome. And friends who are tuning in, as always, I'm going to have all of Christina's links in the show notes. So if you just go to brandstrategypodcast.com and click on the latest episode, you're going to see all of the resources and the notes and everything that we talked about today in today's episode show notes. So Christina, thank you so much for hanging out with us and for talking us through what it looks like to go from being a service provider to having scalable digital offers in place. I'm so grateful for your expertise and I so appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with us here today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you so much for joining me today, friend. Before you go, I would be so grateful to receive your feedback on the Brand Strategy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general has helped you grow your brand, I'd really appreciate it if you left us a review in iTunes. Your positive reviews enable the Brand Strategy Podcast to continue to grow and reach like-minded creatives just like you. Plus, I'll be randomly selecting a handful of lucky reviewers each month to receive a little thank you surprise for me in the mail. Thank you for all your support and encouragement as together we pursue building brands with purpose and intention. Until next time, I'm cheering you on from Waco.